Okay, let's learn. So, yesterday we began uh, getting really into the, the crux of the Alter Rebbe's argument. And basically what the Alter Rebbe began saying, introducing the concept of Yesh Ma'ayin, differentiating between Yesh Mi'esh and Yesh Ma'ayin. That when human be the reason that those heretics that believe in deism, the heretics that don't believe in God's involvement in the world, they see the world as something that God made and just went away. They're comparing it to when a human being makes things. When a human being makes things, they take a pre-existent material and just change the form. So a human being, when a human being makes a vessel, they're not causing something new. They're not making something a new nature. They're taking something that had already particular nature and revealing that nature, changing it within the potential that the object had already. So the thing doesn't need you to continue to, to be in its new form. When you make a Kiddush cup out of a silver ingot, the, you already reveal the potential that that piece of silver had to become a Kiddush cup, so it doesn't need you anymore. So a person could go to the street, a person could die hundreds of years later, and it's still there. And so these heretics want to say the same thing with the world. Hashem created the world and left it. Hashem created the world and now it exists by itself with its pre-existent material, by itself. But the Alter Rebbe says, Tach that their eyes don't see the big difference. That Hashem, when Hashem is creating reality, it's something out of nothing. There's no pre-existent nature for anything to exist. Hashem is the only thing there is. There's no nature for something else. So when Hashem is making the world, He has to, just like, for instance, when you do, what do we do something that's yesh ma'ayin? When we throw a rock up, upwards, you take a baseball, you throw it up, that's something that because of our atmospheric conditions, there's no previous potential for something, for a baseball or for a, a rock to fly. So therefore, how long will the rock be flying? Only as long as you're pushing it. Only as long as your strength is in it. That's how long the rock is going to fly. As soon as your strength stops, the rock falls back. The rock falls back down. <laughs> Says the Alter Rebbe, the same thing with Hashem. Because the world, there was no previous potential for things to exist. <clears throat> how long will existence be? As long as God is throwing existence into being. As long as God is making His light, speaking His light into and the world into existence. And if for one moment he was to stop, everything would revert like to before the six days of creation. It would be as if nothing ever existed. And the Alter Rebbe brought a proof from that, from Kriyas Yamsu, from the splitting of the Red Sea. That you see the splitting of the Red Sea, which on one hand was totally miraculous. And yet, how did the Red Sea, how was the splitting of the Red Sea? Hashem made the wind the whole night push the sea, make the wall stand straight. And seemingly, what did God need the prop for? What do you need the wind for? Hashem could just have easily just snapped his fingers and made the water stand straight, as indeed he did in certain other miracles. So you see from here that there are times when God does things for us to be able to perceive, to understand why, how he's doing it. And you see that by Kriyas Yamsuf, that that was an example where he revealed that the Ruch Kadim Azakolalayla, that that eastern wind was what was splitting the waters the entire night. Hashem used the prop of the wind for our mind to be able to somehow perceive that it was the wind that was making the water stand straight every single moment, stand like a wall. Says the Altar of if that's the case when it comes. 
just to the splitting of the Red Sea, which is one miracle, which is just changing the nature of water. Water already exists. Happens to be that water has a nature to fall. You know, parenthetically, in, uh, in philosophy, in philosophy, there's a, an, a, a huge topic about primary and secondary qualities about what's essential to every particular thing and what's a quality that's not essential. And there's a debate even among Jewish philosophers. The fact that, let's say, water's nature is to fall and fire's nature is to ascend. Is that something that's innate to water and fire? There can't be water that, that, that doesn't ascend. There can't be fire that doesn't ascend. Is that something innate to them? And so the truth is, most philosophers say, no, the nature of things was also an additional creation. God could have made water stand, that water stands still and that fire goes down. So philosophically, these are secondary qualities. The, the sec falling down of water and the going up of fire. These are what's called secondary qualities. They're not primary and essential to what water is. And yet, the eastern wind was making that secondary quality of water that it should stand the whole night, you needed the wind to do it, how much more so when it comes to creation, heaven and earth, where there's no previous potential, Hashem has to always be doing it every moment. Hashem has to always be speaking it into existence every single moment, bringing it into existence. Let's see inside. Oh, and let me just speak out. <clears throat> we mentioned yesterday that seemingly... How is the altar bring a proof from Kriyas Yamsuf to those heretics that don't believe in the miracles of Torah? And so we learn that really that proof of Kriyas Yamsuf is for a question that believers would have. That people that do believe in God would say, how are you comparing what human beings do to what God could do? God could make something theoretically last forever. So you're right, he can. So Kriyas Yamsuf is an answer to the Maminim, to those believers, to show that there are times when Hashem does do things for us to be able to perceive how He's doing it. And we know from Torah that the creation, that the existence of reality every moment is one of those things. We know that from Torah, from, from the fact that God is the only thing that exists. That means the world never becomes a separate entity and that's what the Pesach and Tilm, the Baal Shem Tov, is bringing. So let's read inside. Um, Let's read again from the middle of the paragraph where the triangle is if you have the book. Thus, if for the miracle of the splitting of the Red Sea, the continuous action of God was necessary, if it came to just splitting the Red Sea, which is just changing the nature of water, it was conti the continuous action of God is necessary. And it's not that God just did it and ran away, it's that He's continuously doing it. How much more so is it in the creation of being out of nothing? How much more so when it comes to bringing being, bringing all of reality out of nothing? How much more so? It's not just with changing a secondary quality. The creation of heaven and earth is absolute nothingness and now all of a sudden something being. How much more so? Kavachoymer. <clears throat> creation of being out of nothing, which transcends nature and is far more miraculous than the splitting of the Red Sea, which is just changing one secondary quality. That with the, with the withdrawal of the power of the Creator from the thing created, and I want to I just see this in Hebrew, if there would be the withdrawal of the power of the Creator from the thing created, it would revert to naught and complete non-existence. But how do you say that in Hebrew? The words in Hebrew for this, with the withdrawal of the power of the Creator from the thing created. The power of the Creator from the thing created in Hebrew is koyach 
Hapoyel Benifal. Koyach Hapoyel Benifal. The power of the one doing an action is in the action that's being done. Koyach Hapoyel Benifal. The power of the Creator is in the created. Why is that important according to Chesidus? The idea of Koyach Hapoyel Benifal. You know, they say the Magadim is rich was able to look at a cup and he knew that the person that had made this cup only had one eye. And according to what Hasidus explains, that wasn't even a miracle. Like, I mean, for us, it's pretty nifty, it's pretty cool. But it wasn't a miracle so much as that the Magad was able to see the Koyach HaPoyel Benifel. The Magad could see the power of the doer in the action. Now, when it comes to making a cup, we learn that that doesn't need the person doing it anymore. It was enough that it was done once and the person went away. And yet, because the person that made the cup invested their koach, koach hapoel, in the nifal, because the person made the cup invested their power in the cup, the Mezritcher Magid was able to see in the cup the power of the person that made the cup. And that's even when it comes to an action that no longer needs the person doing it. So when it comes to the earth, if you'd look at every single thing in the earth, everything that exists, as Hashem's koyach ha'poel benifel, as Hashem's power invested in that particular thing, so how much more so that that's exactly what the thing is. And therefore, the, when we speak about koyach ha'poel benifel, it's like we have to get used to looking at the world differently, like we spoke about when we spoke about the, the idea of the, of the mission in Pirkei Ovis that when you buy a cup for a dollar or ten dollars, it's the same cup. But if God created the world with ten utterances as opposed to one, it's not the same world. The world now is the activating force of God. It's the light of God that's bringing it into existence now. Every single thing, it has to be continuously bring into existence. Otherwise, it would revert to naught and complete non-existence. Rather, the activating force of the Creator must continuously be in the thing created. I'm going to read that again. The activating force of the Creator. The activating force of the Creator has to always be. That's the activating force of the Creator must continuously be in the thing created to give it life and existence. And that's, that's the meditation of Yehuda Tata. That's the meditation to meditate that the activating force of God has to every moment be bringing something into existence. It's always, it's always completely enclosed in that thing. These forces are the letters of speech of the ten utterances by which beings were created. Yeah? So, what did the Alter Rebbe, just before we read further, what has the Alter Rebbe not explained? And he's not going to explain this until later chapters, but I think it's important at this point to speak about. What the Alter Rebbe has explained is how the Koyach HaPoyel Benifel, the activating force of the Creator, has to be in the Created. And we understand that each activating force, each divine light that's in every particular thing is tailor-made to become that particular thing that it's bringing into existence every single moment. What the Alter Rebbe hasn't explained is we know God is Ein Sof. God is infinite, a true infinity that's above 
But we in, in human definitions even use the word infinity in mathematics. God is a true, true, without any form, without any way of expressing himself. God is completely infinite and completely incorporeal and completely beyond any any uh, uh, parameters of being physical or spiritual, right? We believe that. So, and yet, so what are we saying is invested in every particular thing that exists? So what is enclosed in every particular detail of reality? The divine speech. Not Ein Sof, not God in His essence, Chas V'Shalom. Chas V'Shalom to think that God in His essence is incarnate in anything physical, except Torah Mitzvahs. Torah Mitzvahs God is. That, that, that is exactly what Torah Mitzvahs are. But let's leave Torah Mitzvahs for a second. Torah Mitzvahs is how God allows His whole infinite light to become actually invested in the world. That's what Torah mitzvahs are all about. But when we speak about the world itself, or the worlds are created beings, it's not that Ein Sof itself, that Hashem Himself is incarnate in physical things. It's the divine speech. Now we explain that speech is a metaphor. God doesn't have a mouth. What's the nimshal? What's the idea of divine speech trying to convey? Just like when I speak, it's a contracted ray from my soul. I'm only saying over a couple of words. On one hand, it's my soul. It's, it's the light of my soul. But it's only a little teeny ray from my soul. That's what it means that it's speech, right? So to the nimshal, what does it mean that God creates the world through his speech? It means he's making his light become contracted to become every particular thing that exists in the world. So what the Alter Rebbe has not explained is how does that happen? How does God get from his Ein Sof, infinite, pristine state, to become a light that is enclosed in a blade of grass? Does everyone understand what I'm asking? How does God get? We understand, we've, we've understood that everything has to have the divine activating force in it every minute for it to exist. We've understood that. But what we haven't been told, and he's not going to say it, at, at, at least not he's not even going to allude to it till later chapters. But the question you have to ask is, how does that happen? How do you get from God's infinite light to, 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 for God to be able to be enclosed in a blade of grass and stuff like that? How does the divine speech emerge from the Ein Sof, from the infinite? And the answer to that question is literally what all of Kabbalah is about. I want to make sure that's clear. All of Kabbalah is about how do you get from Orein Sof, from the infinite essential light of God, to the light of God that's bringing the world about. You see, what Hasidus, what the Baal Shem Tov is saying, that doesn't say in Kabbalah, what the Baal Shem Tov is saying that Kabbalah doesn't say. Kabbalah talks about how do you get from the infinite divine light to the divine light that's actually bringing reality into existence. What the Baal Shem Tov is saying and beginning with is that that contracted, tailored light is the existence of everything. So the Baal Shem Tov is redefining that when the Kabbalah talks about divine light, that's not something other than the world. 
Chassidus is about Achdus Hashem, knowing that using the Kabbalistic idea to understand that this divine light, this contracted divine light that Kabbalah speaks about, that Hashem brings about through the, what's called Hishtalshulis Ha'olamis, the downchaining of worlds. So the Baal Shem Tov explained how that that is what the physical world is. But what Kabbalah is about is how do you get to that contracted divine light? That's literally what all of Kabbalah is. Seder, Shtalshlis, Eilamis, the downchaining of worlds, and that he puts his light in the ten spheres. So Kabbalah talks about how he brings about the divine speech. But I want you to understand, but Chassidus right now, in other words, Kabbalah, learning Kabbalah is understanding how do you get from Ein Sof through all the worlds, the world of Adam Kadmon and Atzilus and Bria, Yitzir, Asiya, until finally that divine light goes through so many tens and thousands of contractions till you have a divine light that brings about the world. The Baal Shem Tev says, now understand that that divine light is what the world is. Is what the world is. Right? Because just like the throwing of the rock is only uh, nothing other than your strength. But the question of how that contracted light comes about, the Alter Rebbe is not getting into over here. He's assuming that you're familiar at least with the main concept of Kabbalah, how Kabbalah speaks about Tzimtzum and all the Tzimtzumim, all the different contractions, or at least have a vague knowledge of them, that, that Hashem's light is contracting, that when Hashem speaks, what that means is that Orin Sof is going through the Tzimtzum, the contraction, the concealment, and His light is going through so many different thousands of processes until it could become tailor-made to become every particular thing that exists. And what the Altar is saying, and that is the Koyach HaPerl Benifal, that light, after the Hishtalshlis Eilamas, after the whole downchaining of worlds, after all the levels of contractions and concealments, that light then becomes the activating force that brings every particular detail into existence. Why is the Hishtalshlis of the Orientalist and the Eilamas not uh, what you term, I guess, uh, I don't know exactly what incarnate means. I mean, I, I know that it's used Again, say that again. What, what do you? Wh- why well, is you said, you, said, you said that God is not incarnate in the world, right? Not or in self, not as essential light, only the contracted. Right, right, but why is why is the hisnafshus and the contraction of the light not incarnation? Be- well, it, again, it depends how you use the word incarnation, but the word incarnation in English usually refers to God in His essence being incarnate in something. <clears throat> yeah, incarnate the incarnation of God is is like we we would say that God was incarnate in the Beis Hamikdash, God is incarnate in your tefillin and your Shabbos candle and Torah mitzvahs. That's your that's uniting you mamish with Hashem's infinite being. But when we talk about Hashem contracting His light through all these contractions to bring about the world, so it's not that God in His essence is incarnate. The opposite. God is transcendent. God is soiviv kol alman. God transcends and encompasses all worlds. He's mitzamtzim. He contracts his life through a whole seder shtalshlus oilamis so that his contracted light could could, uh, uh, could could become the world that we see. Is that the, it's a very important distinction? Is that clear? 
In other words, the the way that the Tzemach Tzedek says it is that you would never say that the world is God. You would say the world is godliness. Getlich kait, not got. It's the light of God. It's the contracted light of God. Just like when you speak. When you speak, that's not your essence you're giving over. That's why it's the mushal. When you speak, you're just giving over a ray of who you are. That's what speech means. And so Hashem's light that's bringing reality into existence is just his speech, not his infinite light. And Kabbalah is about how do you get. Kabbalah is the actual map. How do you get from Orin Sof to the light that's bringing this tree into existence? That's Kabbalah. The leap then to say that this contracted light that Kabbalah finishes with, the lowest level, is actually what the physical world is. That next chap, which we're going to explain in chapter 3, that's what chapter 3 is really about, but that is chsidus. That's chsidus. Chsidus unites those levels that Kabbalah talking about, and the Baal Shem Tov like open their eyes and say, yeah, but that's what the world is. <laughs> These aren't just some transcendent supernal spiritual levels. That's taka what the world is. Yeah? Let's read further. And that is the meaning, this understanding of how Hashem creates the world every moment. This is the meaning of the verse of the Pasuk, which we say every day in davening. And we say every day in the paragraph of davening that starts, Vayivarech David. Right, we say right before Az Yosher in the paragraph of Vayevarch David, there's a pasuk there that says, "Ve'ata mechaye eskulam, ve'ata mechaye eskulam." You God, vitalize them all. The pasuk starts, "Ata sisas hashemaim, shmei hashemaim." You created heaven and the heaven heavens, arts v'chol hashabai, yamim v'chol hashabahem. God, you created the earth and everything in it, and the seas and everything in the seas and the ocean. And then after the Pasuk says the God who created everything in earth and in heaven and in the ocean, Now let's get clearly what the words mean. And you, vitalize everything. Says the Alter Rebbe, read not only Mechaya, give life, but Mahave which means bring into being, i.e. ex nihilo. So the Alter Rebbe is learning, that over here when it says, you give life to them all, the Alter Rebbe is saying, it doesn't just mean you give life to them all, it's also you could read it, Mahava means to bringing it into being. Does anyone know what the Alter Rebbe's, what this Knech is, what the Alter Rebbe wants to stress? We spoke about it in the beginning when we first started talking about Yehuda Tata. This Pasuk you could read without Yehuda Exactly, very good, exactly. In other words, if you read this Pasuk, Stam Kachav Atamachayas Kulam, then it would be like the Gemara Taka says that God vitalizes the world like the soul vitalizes the body. But we learn the soul and the body, as much as they're unified, are still two separate elements. So when it says, kulam, that you give vitality to everything, does every, everyone knows the difference between mahava creating it or giving it vitality. Vitality is what is what you are. 
is what you are already. That's what it means, your chayus. Your vitality means what you are. Whether you're a person or an animal or a rock, whatever makes you up, whatever details are what make you up, that's called your chayus. That's your vitality. That's your life. And if we're just saying God vitalizes you, that could be like the soul and the body. So the Alter Rebbe is saying that, and it's based on on commentaries from before also, that not just that he gives life, but that if you look in the footnote over here, I don't know if you guys have, if you have the text over here in the footnote 5, he explains it really nicely. Do you have the text? I'm, I'm sure I see many of you have the text. So look at footnote 5 over here. That don't read it just that he gives it life, but also that he brings it into being. I.e., the life force which in, which in every created being not only gives it life and vivifies it, it's not just that it's like the electricity that gives it life, like the soul that gives it life, but continuously brings it into existence, ex nihilo, something from nothing. Hashem's light isn't just making you what you are, it's every moment bringing you from non-being to being. The verse is thus interpreted for the phrase to give life, um, the verse is thus interpreted for the, why? For the phrase to give life does not necessarily imply to create us, for example, the soul which gives life to and vivifies the body, yet does not bring it into being. That's why we need the altar, but me needs to stress, whereas in creation, the life force not only vivifies, but also creates and must continuously flow into the created being, for without it would revert to nothingness. By giving life, he actually creates it ex nihilo. He constantly renews the existence of the world and all the creatures, creating them from a new and from nothing at every moment, just as the beginning of creation. So in reality, to give life and to bring into being are identical. This is already found in Svarim, Rishas Chachma, uh, found in Svarim before, that when we say Hashem gives life, it's not just that it's Lebedic, but that it becomes its vitality. But now the Alter Rebbe is going to also say, okay, that's the Mechaya. Ve'ata Mechaya kulam. So let's, 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 let's dissect the Pasuk. Kulam ve'ata Mechaya kulam. You should know, by the way, parenthetically, this Pasuk is one of the, I would say, catchphrases of Chasidus. All the Chasidus Shesvarim, all the different books of Chasidus quote this Pasuk all the time. This is one of those Psukim that's quoted in Chasidus all the time. Because what this Pasuk is doing is changing the way you look at the world. You, God, are vivifying and bringing into being Kulam. So let's dissect the Pasuk. First of all, Kulam. What's Kulam? To them all. Right? You give life, you bring into being. Kulam. What's Kulam? Everything. We have to make sure that kulam means every detail of existence, every blade of grass, every frog, every fingernail on your finger, kulam, everything. And we learned that mechaya es kulam, not just that he vitalizes it, that he's the soul of everything, but that he's bringing it into existence, for it to exist, for it to continue existing every single moment. And now we're going to talk about, what about the word va'ata? And you, God, become the vitality, become the, the life force of everything. What's the word va'ata and you? So look inside. 
So obviously it means you means God. We're talking to God. And you, God, give vitality to everything. But the Alter Rebbe says deeper, the word Ata, you could read the word Ata, meaning you, God, we could read it in a deeper way, indicates all the letters from Aleph to Tav. The word Ata has in it all the letters Aleph Tav, which is the first and last word uh, letter, the Alpha and the Omega of the Aleph Bet, right? The first and last letter. Aleph to Tav, and the letter He. What's the letter He, which is equals 5, is the numerical value of 5, which corresponds to the five organs of verbal articulation, the sources of the letters. The 5 corresponds to the five organs of verbal articulation. What does it mean, the five organs of verbal articulation? So when we talk, how do we say letters? There are certain organs in our mouth that allow us to talk to say letters. Five. There's the two lips. There's the tongue. There's the palate. There's the throat. There's the teeth. Right? So like when you say S, you're not using your lips. When you say the word pay, the letter pay, you're using your lips. When you say Aleph, you're using your throat. It's guttural. So within your mouth, there are different ways of, of, I mean, people that are into speech therapy know that, right? That there are different ways that you articulate letters with your mouth, with those organs of verbal articulation. So that's how it is by us. And we know that when Hashem created the human being, it was in the image of the divine, right? Hashem created us in His image, in His form, which means that above in Hashem, there's also this divine thing, that this divine realm that corresponds to the five organs of verbal articulation, which is the source of vessels, of divine vessels. It's a Kabbalistic idea. It has to do with in, in Atik, in levels of Kesser, etc., primary levels of gods of Ishtalshalos, that there are also five organs of verbal articulation. They actually correspond to the five letters that have a sofit. Mem, Nun, Sadik, Pei, and Chof. Those are the five letters that have a sofit, right? In the Hebrew alphabet, there are the five letters that have a sofit. Mem, if it comes at the end of the word. Nun, if it comes at the end of the word. So this is the Kabbalistic idea of the five organs of a verbal articulation vis-a-vis God. Vis-a-vis God. Oh, in the bottom he lists the larynx, palate, tongue, teeth, and lips. So in Hashem, there's a divine aspect which is the source of the letters so what we're saying is that va'ata, you God, as you allow your light to contract through seder ishtalshlish, through these five contractions, quote unquote, these divine realm of verbal articulation, and you allow your light to enclose itself in the aleph tatof and the hey, va'ata, as you God allow yourself to become the va'ata, is Machayas Kulam, is brings everything into existence. So this really, as we leave off today for, for the weekend, we're finishing at the Tani Chabura today for the, until next week, try to think of this Pasuk as a mantra. Ve'ata Machayas Kulam, Ve'ata Machayas Kulam. You, God, vitalize everything, which we are saying means you, God, become everything. You, Vata, you, God, through the 22 letters of the Aleph Bays and the contraction of the five letters of verbal articulation, which are the Kabbalistic contractions of the idea of Hashem, you allowing your light to contract. Vata, you, God, as you contract yourself from your infinite being through the myriads of contractions that Kabbalah speaks about, Mechayes Kulam, vitalizes everything and becomes everything. 
And that's, it's, we say, you'll notice it in davening, but don't just wait for davening. Try to live with this pasuk. You try to, th- this is one of those pasukim that see this wants you to change the way that you look at the world. Whatever, whatever kulam, whatever part of kulam, of the, of the kulam you're looking at, know that it's that Hashem is giving vitality to it and bringing it to existence. Okay, we'll stop here. It's late. Unless there are any questions, comments, or witticisms. I have one. It's just a clarification. Yes, Jonathan. Is there a difference in the in the mashalim of the divine speech and divine light? Uh, like over here when it says that when we're talking about these forces are the letters of speech or the ten utterances by which think uh, beings were created. When we talk about the the divine speech gives. Um, existence to everything. Is that different than saying the divine light? That's a great question. What's the difference between saying the divine speech and the divine light? So the answer to your question is the divine, when you say the divine speech, you're talking about a very particular aspect of God's light. Memalikolam in the Shekhinah, the light that has gone through the contractions of the Atomachayas Kulam, that has gone through Seder Shtalshalas. In other words, there's what does divine light mean? Divine light means how God is expressing Himself. So, or Ein Sof, before Tzimtzum, before God contracted Himself, there's the infinite light of God. That's Hashem expressing everything He is. That's why Kabbalah says, when or Ein Sof is shining, there's no place, there's no ability for worlds to exist. Because that's when God is shining His whole infinite light. Divine speech is exactly what we're learning, that after a whole Seder Ishtalshal, is a whole downshaining of worlds, there could finally be a level, and, and by the way, in Kabbalah, you should just know, it's, it's, there's the ten spheres, it's the last sphere, Malchus. Malchus, the lowest of the ten spheres, that's the level known as the divine speech. So the divine speech is, as opposed to, as opposed to let's say, uh, the divine light in higher worlds, which are about revealing God, the divine speech means divine light that has an agenda to create a world. In other words, when I look at a tree, how come I'm not seeing God? Because it's a divine speech. It's a divine light that's tailor-made to become the tree. There are higher levels of divine light that were they to be revealed, we would be nullified out of existence because those are divine light that's are above symptom, that's above being contracted. Yeah? Yeah, so, so the divine speech is, is uh, a speaking of a certain, uh, I'm not sure I'm saying it right, but like a certain type of divine light, which is different than Orient Self, but it's the Orient Self, which is enclosed in... In many contractions, the divine speech is Orient Self that becomes contracted and goes through the Tzimtzum and Kav and Adam Kadmon and Atzilus, all the levels of the Kabbalah talk about, until the divine light could become divine speech. And divine speech is the contracted, the shechina, the mamalikulam, and the contracted light that actually is enclosed in reality. That's what divine speech means. Okay. That's the whole chiddush of shar hayichud, and that's why it's only yichudatata, because it's only the divine speech. That's why it's the lower level unity. Like we said, the wood, the the tree is only bittel hayesh to the divine speech. 
if you become, if let's say you reveal the divine speech that's in you, it's not that you don't exist, you have no longer an independent existence. But Hashem's light now is a, the divine speech in you is making you and nothing else. So then the Yehudi Ilah, the higher level unity, is then meditating how the divine speech is essentially still connected to the essence, to the infinite light of Hashem. That's connecting Elikim with Havaya. Anyone else? Okay, everyone, have a wonderful Shabbos. I hope to see everyone on Monday. Shabbos, everyone.